Were Marc-Andre Fleury's numbers really inflated by bad defense? Plus, what will the Wilds' decor rotation look like? And will the Wilds' chemistry really suffer? Turns out it might not. We talk about all of that and more today on Locked on Wilds. You're locked on Wild. Your daily podcast on the Minnesota Wild. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to another episode of Locked On Wild, your daily Minnesota Wild podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you for making Locked On Wild your first listen every day. And just as a reminder, Locked On Wild is free and available wherever you listen to podcasts. On today's episode of Locked On Wild, we dive a little deeper and get a Chicago perspective as to if Marc-Andre Fleury's numbers really were his doing or were the result of some bad defense in front of him. We're joined by Jack Bushman for a recap of the trade for Marc-Andre Fleury and a little look at his numbers. We'll also talk about the first look at the Wilds' new decor with Jacob Middleton sliding into the lineup. Who is out and will this particular player end up being a healthy scratch regularly down the stretch? Plus, it turns out even the most bitter enemies in the division can come together on one team and become best of friends. We'll talk about an interesting wrinkle that may make the Wilds locker room chemistry better than ever. All today here on Locked on Wild. My name is Seth Topol, host of Locked on Wild, your veteran Minnesota sports content producer and captain of Locked on Wild. Happy to be along with you here on a Thursday edition of the show. We've got a couple of episodes coming down the pipe here today. Uh, So this will be number one. We've got a special roundtable looking at some of the other moves throughout the uh, East and Western Conference. The Locked On NHL Buyers Roundtable with uh, some of the teams that were the most aggressive at the trade deadline. So that's coming later today. And uh, as for today's episode, as we mentioned, going to be diving into a couple of key elements for this wild team down the stretch. We'll talk about Marc-Andre Fleury to finish the show today, but did want to start with uh, just an interesting wrinkle to this wild team. We've talked about the chemistry all season and uh, how that is one of the critical components for this team. A uh, tight-knit group that uh, continues to add to that here down the stretch. And it didn't occur to me that the Wild were adding two rivals to their mix at the trade deadline. They acquired Nick Delorier. And Jacob Middleton, who played for the Ducks and the Sharks, respectively. Turns out they have had some uh, some run-ins over the, uh, the last couple of years uh, playing in the Pacific Division. And so it, uh, it's one of those things where you're like, uh-oh. Uh, just like with Marc-Andre Fleury being with the Vegas Golden Knights, in that uh, intense series against the Wild in the playoffs last year, you you add those players and you're like, is this going to, are we going to get sandpaper here? Like, are, are these elements going to be able to coexist? And, uh, you know, acquiring a goalie, what effect is that going to have on the goalies in the room already? 
Well, it turns out we can throw all of that out the window, as we kind of expected we would be able to. Uh, interesting notes uh, earlier yesterday for Michael Russo in uh, talking to Nick Delorier for uh, his latest podcast. And it turns out when Jacob Middleton was acquired by the Minnesota Wild, the first player to call him to uh, introduce himself and to welcome him to Minnesota and to uh, help show him around, newly acquired Nick Delorier. And so even the fiercest of rivals can uh, find some common ground and can come together when there is a deep playoff run, hopefully, on the line. And, you know, the other element of it, too, and this has been reported quite a bit as well, um, and it led to that uh, unforgettable line from Bill Guerin that there's no room for petty BS uh, on this team. And so when Marc-Andre Fleury was acquired, who was the first member of the Minnesota Wild to reach out and, uh, and chat with him and welcome him to the team? Cam Talbot. And so this chemistry that uh, the team has built up throughout the year, I think is going to further knit together and weave together with these new acquisitions that uh, are being brought in for the sole purpose of helping to further cultivate this competitive roster and try to make as deep of a playoff run as possible this season. We heard some comments in the uh, the game against Vegas, too, from a lot of different players, from Matt Dumba, Jordan Greenway, and others, that they felt invigorated after Bill Guerin made the moves to, uh, to help give them uh, a little assistance to get back on track and to, uh, to finish the season strong. Felt like it invigorated them. And so that was one of the things that I was weighing heaviest uh, before the deadline in just looking at if a trade even made sense for this team. Is this something where do you want to upset the balance of uh, what you currently have? And, um, you know... I'll take the L on that one because uh, these guys, it seems like, are going to fit in just fine. And Delorier is already a monster in a good way for this team. And so that can be thrown out the window. And it sounds like Middleton is going to be just fine as well. So we can thank the Wilds clubhouse chemistry that they had already built up for uh, making this process as seamless as possible for some new faces entering the locker room. And they're going to fit in just fine. And so, going to be fascinating to see because there are going to be some tough choices that need to be made, especially on defense here uh, over the next couple of weeks. And we'll look at what the first look will be at this new decor, as well as uh, the blueprint for how the goalie starts will go at least through the weekend. We'll talk about all of that as we continue today's episode of Lockdown Wild. After this, the NCAA tournament is here and raise your hand if your bracket is already toast. Yes, my hand is raised because turns out I'm not as good at picking March Madness games as I thought I was. But one spot that can help you be the expert on everything sports betting related is, of course, betonline.net. They are the number one source for all the latest odds, contests and player props 
as well as all of your sports betting needs and info. Bet Online remains the best spot for all of your sports scores, podcasts, and news all season long. And it's not just basketball. Bet Online is your continued source for all of your sports wagering information needs, including live betting and your favorite Vegas casino games. So head to their website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and the action. You can find all of it at Bet Online, where the game starts. Continuing today's episode of Lockdown Wild, and again, thank you for making Lockdown Wild your first listen every day. A reminder that we have a bonus episode coming later today for you, which is the Buyers Roundtable for the Lockdown NHL branch of uh, the Lockdown Podcast Network. All the teams that were the most aggressive buyers at the deadline joining together to answer some key questions about their teams and their respective conferences as well. So make sure to tune in for that coming up later this afternoon right here on Locked on Wild. So the defense for the Minnesota Wilds, Jacob Middleton will get his first action, it would appear, as a member of the uh, Minnesota Wild. And interesting that uh, it is... On the top pairing with Mr. Jared Spurgeon, uh, at least according to practice. And so uh, it looks as though the Wild are going to utilize his services right off the bat. And uh, will be very interesting to see how he meshes with uh, Mr. Jared Spurgeon. Michael Russo tweeting out the D pairs look like this. Middleton and Spurgeon... Brodine and Dumba, Merrill and Goligoski, Dmitry Kulikov, the first healthy scratch of this new look defense. Now, I don't anticipate that Dmitry Kulikov is going to be the one scratched every night because this presents an opportunity for the Wild as well. It presents them an opportunity to make sure that nobody on defense gets worn down down the stretch because now you have a seventh perfectly capable NHLer of, uh, of slotting into the lineup when the need arises. Um, in looking at this, uh, this lineup as well, this moves Alex Goligoski to a much lesser impacted spot. It gives him an opportunity to not have to play as high intensity of minutes because it's pretty clear he is starting to kind of run on empty here as we get to this point in the season. So if he can be protected a little bit by uh, being moved down in the lineup, uh, that's a huge win, I think, for this uh, this team and for uh, Dean Evason and Bill Guerin. So it would not surprise me if Goligoski gets moved towards more of a third liner. And depending on who's out of the lineup, um, he ends up swapping with uh, that uh, that third-line D pair and just uh, turns that into a rotation between those three. Middleton, I think, is good enough to fill in anywhere in the top four, depending on uh, who comes out of the lineup. Uh, I think he has a good enough defensive skill set that uh, he's going to be a nice pairing with... Um, the you know with either Spurgeon or with Brodeen and uh, is really going to um, 
really going to, I think, give this team, like I said, some flexibility to do a few things uh, with this defense. And, you know, as being more of a defense first guy, he can certainly be relied upon to stay home a little bit more and to maybe allow Jared Spurgeon to, uh, to dip into the offense a little bit and not have to be the one who is covering all the ground and trying to trying to save Jordy Ben. So that uh, I think that experiment is probably over for this wild decor. So don't expect to see Dmitry Kulikov as a healthy scratch the entire season, entire rest of the season. I think they will move some guys in and out to try to get everybody rested up, especially in the case of lingering injuries and players who are dinged up. I would expect, though, that Middleton will get a a very healthy share of starts here down the stretch. So it's a nice addition to the... um, It's a nice addition to the decor. It's a great addition to the decor. And so going to be very, very interesting to see uh, how things play out. Now, for the goalie position, it sounds as though... It's going to be Cam Talbot tonight against Vancouver. Sounds like Marc-Andre Fleury's wild debut will be Saturday against the Columbus Blue Jackets. I think I think that's the right way to go. Now, this has been an issue at points throughout the season where the Wild have leaned a little too heavily on a goalie and have gone maybe one more start than they should have which leads to a particular player getting shelled and um, has led to you know, a loss of confidence for uh, those particular players. But in the case of Talbot here, I really don't have an issue with it because of what he has done recently uh, while in the net for this team and at a critical point with... Um, you know, with the goalie position really unsettled for this wild team, and it seemed seeming like there was no clear-cut option uh, for this team. Uh, in the month of March, Talbot is 6-1, and one, and uh, his loss being his first start of the month to Calgary. Uh, he allowed four goals in that game. Um, the Philly game after that, he allowed four goals. And then on the 10th against Detroit, he allowed five goals. Even having said that, look at his last three starts. Two goals allowed against Boston. One goal allowed against Chicago. A shutout against the Vegas Golden Knights. He also uh, came in in relief against Dallas. Was scoreless there. And that seemed to be kind of the start that got him back on track. Had a two goals allowed performance against the Rangers. All in all, 6-1. and one. In the month of March, a 2.43 goals allowed, uh, goals against average, and a 90.7 save percentage. One shutout uh, in that span. 18 goals allowed in the six starts, uh, in the seven starts, and six appearances, or eight appearances uh, in the month of March. So, pretty good, all things considered, uh, for uh, Cam Talbot. Looks as though he's getting closer and closer. Uh, to getting back on track. And so, you know, you can uh, you can ride the hot hand. The Wild have not had that luxury here recently with some of the goalie performances they've had. And so 
if this acquisition of Marc-Andre Fleury is going to push Cam Talbot a little bit to get back on his game, that better suits this team down the stretch because they're going to need both guys. They can't really lean on one or the other. They're going to need both to be ready to rock, and Fleury will get plenty of time because there are uh, there are no shortage of games the rest of the way. So he's going to get his. Talbot can certainly take his starts at this point in the season. Uh, the Vancouver Canucks on the schedule tonight, and that brings a familiar face back to the XL Energy Center. That, of course, being Bruce Boudreau. The Canucks, after a rough start, uh, are back in the um, back in the swing of things. Fifth in the Pacific Division at the moment, just two points behind the Vegas Golden Knights, though, and so they are really starting to um, really starting to climb the ladder. And did the Wild a favor by beating the Colorado Avalanche three to one. J.T. Miller did it again. Had uh, a goal, and he has 75 points on the season, 25 goals, 50 assists in 62 games. Beyond that, Wild need to keep an eye on Bo Horvat, Elias Pettersson, and Brock Besser as well. And uh, in net for the Canucks, Thatcher Demko having a uh, nice bounce back after a uh, rough start to the season. Uh, And so uh, it should be a fun game against the uh, Vancouver Canucks uh, at XL Energy Center. Hopefully the uh, the Wild get a chance to further make this uh, an impressive homestand. Um, But we'll have to wait and see what happens uh, here tonight. We will finish today's episode of Lockdown Wild again by talking a little bit about Marc-Andre Fleury with Jack Bushman of Lockdown Blackhawks to get the full lowdown as to if Flurry's issues were his fault or the Chicago defense. So we will uh, finish things up on today's episode of Locked on Wilds after this. Welcome to a crossover segment of Locked on Wild and Locked on Blackhawks. Obviously, we've had uh, a lot of trade moves that have happened uh, here over the last 24, 48 hours. The big one for the Minnesota Wild, Marc-Andre Fleury headed to Minnesota uh, to help the Wild in the goalie position. Had to get Jack Bushman here uh, of Locked on Blackhawks to discuss it. So uh, first off, Jack, let's just get your initial reaction to the flurry move. What did you think of the return? What do you think of the flower in Minnesota? Yeah, first reaction was... I know the market for or, or what the Blackhawks were wanting for Mark Andre Fleury was a first round pick, but with him having really all the control over where he wanted to go, and apparently, according to Michael Russo earlier this afternoon, it was a very very short list of teams that Fleury would be willing to get traded to. So, considering that to get a conditional second, which hopefully will turn into the to turn into a first, I know Wild fans are hoping that as well, which means they'll be having success in the Stanley Cup playoffs. Um, but I think it was honestly best case scenario for the Chicago Blackhawks, right? Heading into a, a full blown rebuild didn't really 
make a whole lot of sense to keep on a uh, 37 going on 38 year old net mind, or even as good as Flurry's been, he's still on top of his game. Uh, it just didn't make sense with the direction the Blackhawks were heading in. Uh, and honestly, Seth, in the last couple of weeks heading up to the deadline, um, with so many variables at play with Flurry getting traded, you know, where he'd want to go, then the GM still got to find a way to make it work. I, I really thought the Blackhawks were going to be stuck with him. So to, to get a second and fingers crossed a first uh, I'm, I'm pretty happy with, with that return. I think it was the best case scenario. Blackhawks fans are really going to miss him. He's been phenomenal in Chicago, a great dude, great leader, really the reason we have a majority of our wins here this season. Um, but it had to be done with the direction the team was heading in. So uh, to get that type of return, I think you have to be happy. I think you got to consider it as a win for Kyle Davidson. Uh, but as for flurry in Minnesota, Seth, I just think this move made far too much sense. I've been talking about it on my show for the last couple of weeks. The one place that I really thought what would make the most sense for Marc-Andre Fleury would be Minnesota with the recent play of their netminders. They've been kind of on a downstretch here lately. Minnesota's not all that far from Chicago. It wouldn't be, you know, a huge ask for Fleury to move from Chicago to Minnesota. I think it was just the perfect scenario. So, um, I'm glad to see it get done, and I think Flurry's going to help Minnesota a lot. What are you thinking, buddy? Yeah, I'm I'm right with you, and I've been pretty vocal um, in opposition of the trade leading up to this point, and so I realize I'm doing a huge a huge 180. But you know, in in just talking about some of the things that go into this, for me, I was really trying to figure out: Are the Wilds goalies the sole culprit? for the numbers that this team was uh, was putting up against uh, their opponents, that 2-8 and eight stretch where they were giving up almost four goals a game. Uh, I, I wasn't sure if it was a combination of the defense or the goaltending. And on the Chicago side, you know, same thing. It, were Fleury's numbers, um, were, was that because of, of poor defense in front of him or was he starting to regress? But it does seem like Bill Guerin really was confident that Flurry playing with a, a wild team with the defense that they have was going to have a much better end to the season. And, you know, you, you said just to that point that uh, a lot of the issues that Flurry was having this year were because the defense was not great in front of him. Yeah, I mean, there were times where he's been a, a bit inconsistent, but with that defense in front of him, he's facing, you know, 30 plus shots per game. More more often than not, Flurry was standing on his head and doing a phenomenal job. And as I said earlier, um, probably the MVP of this team aside from Patrick Kane, but the Blackhawks would not have <laughs> probably half of their wins without Mark Andre Flurry. So for a Minnesota fan right now, I I would not be worried about Mark Andre Flurry. His numbers being maybe a little bit down. Remember, he he did this with a bad Blackhawks team. So from Minnesota side, I think it, it just made too much sense to go and get a guy like Flurry, and you're not going to have to worry about him with that type of defense in front of him, Seth. Um, let's let's just talk a little bit about the the rest of the deadline because you know Chicago made some moves. The Wild obviously made a ton of moves. Uh, just hit me with your uh, your favorite move outside of Flurry uh, that the Blackhawks either did or didn't make. 
Yeah, it was kind of a weird deadline day. I expected Dominic Kubalik and Calvin DeHaan, both guys on expiring contracts. Uh, DeHaan will be an unrestricted free agent in the summer. Kubalik will be a restricted free agent, but the Blackhawks would have to give him a, at least a $4 million qualifying offer. So I didn't really understand not moving them, especially when it seemed like a seller's market. General manager Kyle Davidson kind of talked about how they weren't getting the value that they wanted in return. But at the same time, I think both those guys are going to walk in the summer. So um, that left me scratching my head a little bit, but undoubtedly my favorite move has to be the Brandon Hagel one. And I know Blackhawks fans are going to be a little wary when I say that because Hagel was a fan favorite here, a guy who gave effort a hundred percent effort night in and night out and was really just starting to show us uh, his offensive skill set a little bit more. But with what Tampa Bay was willing to give him, I mean, two first round picks and two players. And also one of those players being Taylor Radish, who was a former line mate of both Alex DeBrinkett and Dylan Strome when they put up video game numbers with the Erie Otters. And in his first two games, Radish has looked really good. He had a two point game last night, scored his first goal with the Blackhawks. So, I mean, I understand the frustration of trading a guy like Brandon Hagel, who could have been a part of this rebuild, but man, I mean, to get that type of haul for him, Kyle Davidson absolutely had to say yes to that. So Brandon Hagel, we're going to miss you, buddy. But at the same time, we're thinking three to five years down the road. And now we have two first round picks in both 2023 and 2024. Hopefully we'll be getting a first round pick in 2023 from Minnesota if all goes well for the wild in the postseason. Um, So that was definitely my favorite move that the Blackhawks made. I just wish Kyle Davidson was a little bit more aggressive with guys like Dominic Kubalik and Calvin DeHaan. For sure. And, you know, that's that's the spot where Chicago's at right now is that, you know, if you're if you're a team that's not in contention playoff wise, you gotta assess, you know, who are we really trying to keep and who are some players that, you know, won't be back. And then you have those situations where somebody comes to you and they says, Hey, they say, Hey, we'll give you this for this player that maybe is a little further into those rings than somebody else. But yeah, two first round picks. Absolutely a no brainer, buddy. Yeah. But on your end, man, it seems like arguably Minnesota won the deadline more so than anyone else. I mean, you got a feeling good, eh, buddy? I feel great um, because one of the biggest issues for this team has been size and physicality. And it just, it seems like going up against other potential playoff teams, that the Wild have been pushed around a little bit here over the last couple of weeks. And so what does Bill Guerin do? He goes and gets Nick Delorier, who... What a beauty. I've attempted to describe what he brings to the ice, and I I just have started to go with... He he has homicidal tendencies (laughs) on the ice, and I think that's exactly what this team needs because there's no question that that Jewel Eriksson-Eck line is one of the best, if not the best, defensive lines in hockey. But it only works if all three of those guys are on the ice. And Marcus Foligno being, you know, the enforcer for this team, he's been taking more and more penalties, it seems, as things go, because a lot of these playoff teams that you're going up against have been way more physical. And so he's taking penalties, you know, to try to kind of set the tone and get back at people, and so that line has not been on the ice nearly as much as it could have been. And so I enter Nick Delorier, and he basically flat out said, like, I'm going to be the one sitting in the penalty box. That was one of the best comments I've ever heard. I was like, oh, Minnesota fans are going to absolutely love this guy. He's like, I'll go in the box. Don't worry. Yeah. Don't worry about Felino. I'll take it. That was amazing. And so he he slots into that fourth line with Tyson Jost and with Brandon Duhame, who is a similar player, 
Duhame is not afraid to fight anybody in this league. And so you have those two guys, and you have Jost, who is, uh, is no slouch himself. That all of a sudden becomes a line that is going to get under a lot of teams' skin. And so, yes, they're probably going to spend a lot of time in the box, but you're probably going to pull some other people on other teams in there with you and or just take them off their game by whatever it is that they that they do out on the ice. So you get that, and then this Jacob Middleton acquisition for Capo Kakinen completely took me by surprise. But the things that I like, six foot three, we have a lot of under six foot defensemen for this Minnesota Wild team. And so Middleton brings size, he brings physicality, he can block shots, he's not afraid to hit people. He, I think right now, would have either the most or second most penalty minutes on the Wild right now. So he's not afraid to mix it up either. And so Bill Guerin very clearly wanted to reestablish this team's identity, similar to what he did when he played. And it, it is, it's so refreshing to have a GM that is like, hey, we're going to be aggressive, we're going to go get what we need. And yes, you maybe would like to see some of those draft picks pan out, but at the end of the day, Bill Guerin is doing what he needs to do for this team in the draft, in free agency, at the trade deadline. He's always looking to improve this roster. And there's no question with what was done at the trade deadline that the Wild are a better team now than they were. Yeah, it seems like every need that they needed to address, Bill Guerin did that and then some. Yeah, he just he had a plan and... It's, it's one thing to have a plan and be like, well, we got outbid um, by a couple of people for this player or that player. Like the Claude Giroux, would that have been nice? Would that have been a nice acquisition? Yes. But I think the Wild kind of reprioritized as we got closer to the deadline that if they could add some fight, and I think the exact words that Michael Russo used were fight and bite that they would be a team that could contend with anybody. And they added a ton of that at the deadline. Yeah, I mean, it seems like they're bolstering up everything they need to make that push. Um, And I know it's probably been uh, a little bit discouraging with the play as of late. I mean, Minnesota was, what, right there at the top of the division for basically the, the entire of the season up until the last few weeks. But now there's definitely enough to be hopeful for that this is going to get figured out. You know you got a good leader in Bill Guerin. Everything he's done for that organization, you have no reason not to trust him at this point, right? So it's like now it's just kind of all aboard and getting ready to gear up for the most meaningful time of the season. And hey, listen, Seth, us Blackhawks fans, we're going to be right there behind the Minnesota Wild, okay? We need y'all going to the Western Conference Final more than ever. So um, Blackhawks fans, it's going to be maybe a little bit weird, but we're all aboard the Minnesota Wild train as we start heading into the summer months, buddy. We, If we end up going to the Stanley Cup Final, um, I'd be happy to give up that first-round pick and then some. So, you know, we're, we're happy to have you. We're happy to have you on board, and I, I too, am hoping that we we take that first rounder and just say, here, thanks for the cup. It'll be worth it. It'll be worth it at the end. Absolutely. Well, there you have a little recap of the Marc-Andre Fleury trade. Make sure to follow both Locked on Wild and Locked on Blackhawks wherever you listen to podcasts. That will do it for today's episode of Locked on Wild. Once again, thank you for making Locked on Wild your first listen every day. 
Uh, now that your first listen of the day is done, you can swing over to our bonus episode of Lockdown Wilds come in later this afternoon. For your second listen of the day, make sure you're following Lockdown Wild wherever you listen to podcasts as well as on social media. Stay as up-to-date as possible as you can on all things Minnesota Wild by following us everywhere we are active throughout the internet. We will keep you as up-to-date as we can with new episodes dropping Monday through Friday as part of the Locked On Podcast Network.